You're listening to Strange New England. I'm Tom Burby, your host. Gold forms in the heart of dying stars, and as a result of those explosions, or novas, it spread throughout the cosmos as one of the heavier elements. All the gold on Earth, no doubt, came from such an explosion, just as all of the matter for all of the planets and the sun did, too. Maine does, in fact, have some gold in its ground, the first being struck in 1854 in Madrid, and later gold and silver were found in Acton, too. Gold can be found in deposits in the Earth, but also dissolved in the waters of Earth's oceans. Since 71% of the Earth's surface is covered with water, it might make sense that all one needs to do is find a cheap way to extract that gold from the water to make a fortune. Maine is ideally situated for mining gold from water, if that was indeed possible, with its 3,478 miles of coastline. But there is no method or invention to do the hard work of filtering out the gold. However, such a device was invented in 1897 and put into use in the small town of Lubeck, Maine. Why it worked, and then all of a sudden why it didn't work, is part of the strange history of New England. Lubeck, Maine is the northeasternmost town in the United States. It's closer to Africa than any other location in the country. With a population of only 1,359 people, this community is situated on the very edge of things, snug next to Canada, and only separated from it by the Franklin Delano Roosevelt Bridge, which spans the Lubeck Narrows and leads to Campobello Island. Change comes creeping very slowly to this Washington County hamlet, but sometimes something comes along that summons a whirlwind of alternation and circumstances and acts to bring such small places notoriety and fame. Lubeck had its moment in 1897 and became host to Maine's one and only saltwater gold rush. And to set the stage, you have to remember that in 1897, science was beginning to take the main guiding role in the state of American life. In May of 1893, the World's Fair, known as the Columbian Exposition, opened in Chicago, and it changed everything. Thomas Edison had just invented the first motion pictures, and in 1895, the White House Christmas tree was decorated with Edison's own light bulbs. The world had telephones now and electric fans and Kodak cameras and zippers. Even people in far-flung places like Lubeck knew of such inventions because of the ubiquitous newspapers that gave such places a daily connection with the world at large. Great faith was put in industry, and the power that steam, oil, and now electricity promised would mean that even one such industry for a small town might mean prosperity for all who lived there. Lubeck was a fishing and lumbering village, and people there lived a hard existence. And it was into that setting in October of 1897 that a pair of men from Edgartown, Massachusetts, arrived and set a plan of action into motion that would net them in today's money over a million dollars and bring about financial ruin for investors throughout New England. It was a boom followed by the usual bust, but with a bit of wonder, too. Prescott Ford Jernigan, a Baptist minister, and his good friend Charles Fisher rolled quietly into town one day and took up shop at an old grist mill at Mill Creek in North Lubeck. The two had a business plan that, like most, required investors to open their pocketbooks and take a chance on what they assured people was a sure thing. 
We still have the prospectus for their enterprise, which they dubbed the Electrolytic Marine Salts Company, or EMS. Their claim was something that many people knew to be true. Gold was in the water that flowed through Lubeck Narrows. However, unlike anyone else before them, they claimed to have hit upon a device that could use electricity and chemistry to grab those microscopic pieces of gold suspended in the water and accumulate it. And best of all, it could happen overnight while the good people of Lubeck and all of the investors slept. Everyone would go to sleep, and when they woke up in the morning, they would be much, much richer. Now, why Lubeck? Why not Boston or New York or anywhere else along the coast? Jernigan answered investors' questions with the fact that Lubeck is on Passamaquoddy Bay, which experiences some of the highest tides on the planet. And as a result, more seawater rushes in and out of the Narrows than out of any other harbor in the Northeast. When asked how a minister and not an inventor had come across the idea involved in the accumulator device, Jernigan claimed divine inspiration. God wanted him to build this device and share the wealth and sent him the entire idea in a vision. Now today, that alone might stop serious inventors from opening their checkbooks, but in 1897, not everyone was so suspicious of claims of divine visions. Such a connection might even serve to make it more of a sure bet for the investor. It didn't hurt their enterprise to be surrounded by folk who had only a rudimentary knowledge of electricity and chemistry, there were fewer people there to discover their duplicity. The machine that he invented to siphon gold water from seawater is quite simple in its design. Imagine a large cast iron tub with two platinum rods inserted into a proprietary mixture of chemicals at the bottom. A battery supposedly ran the accumulator along with the addition of some mercury. Other than that, all that was needed to collect the gold from the seawater was seawater itself. 24 hours after lowering the accumulator into the water, it would be raised and little nuggets of gold would be found in the mixture. Nuggets, not a film or specks of gold, but nuggets. That should have been the first clue that these two men weren't what they purported to be and that this was a dubious device indeed. Now imagine you're an investor. You've made the journey to Lubeck, a rather long-distance journey into the wilder regions, just to see if some crackpot invention really works. You're suspicious at first, of course, that such a thing is possible, but then you watch as the accumulators are lowered into the channel, and at the same time the next day you watch as they're pulled up and cracked open. And there in front of you is the proof that it is a sound investment, gold in all of its glory. One after another, people with a bit of money to invest or a lot of money couldn't give their money fast enough to this pair of inventors. It was simply too good to be true. Everyone wanted in on it. Hundreds of local people were involved in the new industry. Not that they were easily swayed either. There's nothing like a Down East Yankee for doubt and discovery. But they had the proof in front of their eyes. And if that wasn't enough, the newspapers they all read had articles claiming success in the venture. On January 5th, 1898, a year after the EMS company started business in Lubeck, the Portland Transcript ran a story that resonated with the locals and the investors. Quote, It's reported that the gold and silver were taken from the seawater at North Lubeck at the rate of $2 worth per hour a few days ago, and that the company intends putting in 200 machines of that capacity. That many accumulators cost money. Platinum wasn't cheap, 
Also, there were operating costs and investors had to be paid. As time passed, more and more money was needed to make the venture work. Over 250 boxes at a time were being processed in the waters off Lubeck. With the rumor that a new plant with 5,000 boxes would soon be added to the company's assets, stocks skyrocketed. In fact, an actual 900,000 shares of the stock were sold by that July. Over 800 men were working for the EMS company. It looked like the little town of Lubeck was going to be put on the map as the first place on earth where gold was successfully and profitably mined from the sea. Chemistry, electricity, and invention were the new paradigm. They had replaced logging, fishing, and farming with an exciting new industry. But all good things must come to an end. When Fisher left for a business trip in late July, no one took much notice, but his absence was soon followed by Jernigan and his entire family. There was neither hide nor hair of the pair of inventors who had promised to make everyone investing in their plans rich beyond the dreams of Midas. The good people of the EMS company found that the accumulators no longer worked now that the inventors had absconded. The locals who worked for the company were paid their final paycheck, but the investors were left holding the bag for all of their hopeful monetary dreams. It was, it seems, too good to be true after all. So, what happened? Why didn't the accumulators work anymore? Probably because they never actually worked in the first place. In later years, the pair of inventors who had successfully evaded justice by never coming back to America from their exile in places like Australia or the islands of the Pacific had found themselves feeling somewhat guilty, and they returned some of the money, between seventy-five dollars and $85,000, to some of their investors. But how did they do it? Fisher was an adept diver able to don a helmeted weighted diver's suit and make his way into the water under the cover of darkness to add small nuggets and chunks of gold to the accumulators. Every night, he added the same pieces of gold into the pots that were pulled out the next day. The problem they had was finding enough gold to put into the new additional accumulators. Like so many schemers, they let their initial success drive them forward too quickly to keep up with the demand. When they were beyond the failsafe point, they left. Their criminal act, for which they were never prosecuted, was the ruin of many investors up and down the East Coast. Fisher may or may not have died in Australia, and Jernigan became a teacher in the far-flung Philippines, safe from prosecution, and we do not know truly what happened to either of them. But in every dark cloud, there's a silver lining. The EMS plant, now standing empty, proved to be the ideal place to implement Another new, far more lucrative industry, one that kept the families of Lubeck safe from wolves at the door. It was converted for use as a sardine factory, an extremely lucrative venture for the town for a very long time to come. Gold from seawater? Well, not quite. But the dark schemes of two conmen set up the town of Lubeck for another industry that did become one of the town's hallmarks. By the way, if you can figure out how to extract gold from the oceans, there's a lot of it there. Current estimates tell us that there are at least 20 million tons of it just floating around, not to mention any gold you might find beneath the ocean floor. However, be aware that the ocean is so dilute that the concentration of gold in it is measured in parts per trillion, or, more precisely, for every liter of seawater, there's about 13 billionths of a gram of the yellow stuff. Still... 
That's enough gold to give every man, woman, and child on earth about nine pounds of it. Now, wouldn't that be nice? By the way, if you're ever in Lubeck, stop by the Historical Society's Museum. They have a replica of the ill-famed accumulator set up for your inspection. Too bad it doesn't really work. You've been listening to Strange New England.